Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to what seems like the first Victor's Valiant podcast in a very long time. And that's because it has been a long time. It's been about two months, but the hiatus is finally over. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Today is my co-host, Mason Brew contributor, Colin Logs and Man. It's been a while since we've talked, but how have you been? Been great, man. Been great. You know, just uh, just writing for the Ann Arbor News, doing some police work for them. So it's a little different than the whole football and basketball thing, but glad to finally get back to my roots and uh, finally talk some sports with you, man. It's been like two months, hasn't it? <laughs> it? It's It's been a while. It's been about two months. I, I think the last podcast we had was about Shea Patterson um, uh, transferring over. So that's definitely come and gone. It's been a while and, and they've got in a few more transfers and they've actually uh, brought in quite a bit more uh, from the 2018 recruiting class, which is what we're going to talk about right now is Michigan signed officially their recruiting class well by the time that this gets put out it'll be a couple days ago now but uh this is Thursday night we're talking about this um you know their class was a little bit underwhelming uh if I can say that um you know I I know a lot of people were disappointed by it they were uh, nationally they were the 21st ranked uh, uh class Big Ten rank was third behind of course, Ohio State, who had the number two overall class, and Penn State, who was also, I'm pretty sure, a top five class. Um, you know, but there are some some good things about this class. They they upgraded at a lot of positions. Um, yeah, but on the same uh, side of the uh, token, they, they kind of uh, necked a few positions as well. So I, I think one of the bright spots in this class uh, is cornerback Miles Sims. I really like what he brings to the table. He's a lengthy defensive back he can play either corner or safety and safety is a definitely a position of need after last season how they played in coverage miles sims is is a really good cover defensive back so if if he transitions to safety i would feel a a lot more comfortable him playing there over a guy like josh metellus for example another guy i really like is a cameron mcgrone linebacker He'll probably fill the shoes of Mike McCray at some point. Probably won't be this upcoming season, but he'll provide some good depth there. Um, he's a really quick linebacker, uh, good instincts as well. He's from Indianapolis, Indiana, and he was another highly ranked guy. Um, I think he was actually a five-star on uh, Rivals, uh, but on the 24-7 mm-hmm. composite, he was a high four-star. He was the 118th nationally ranked recruit uh, in the country. Um, you know, so th- those are just a couple of the guys that, that I see, um, could be really good fits on the Michigan team. Maybe not this upcoming season. Um, but, uh, a few years down the road. And, and that's the thing about this class. I-, I think a lot of this class was built around, uh, the depth of some of these positions. Like they upgraded, uh, they, th- I'm pretty sure they signed five defensive backs, uh, with Miles Sims being one of them. So, th- I mean, that's taken a lot of a uh, defensive backs, but you're going to get a lot of depth behind there. And especially if David Long uh, declares after the season, if Lavert Hill declares, uh, you're going to need some uh, depth there. So I, I think it's okay, um, you know, to take a, a couple flyers on these defensive backs. I know they got the, the green twins from DeSoto, Texas. Um, those are some really lengthy guys as well. Uh, you know, all of these defensive backs as well are at least six foot two. And that's something that you haven't really been seeing a whole lot out of Michigan's uh, recruiting classes when it comes to defensive back. All these guys are either six foot or below. Jordan Lewis was not six two. Uh, the guys that they got now are definitely not six two. Channing Stribling wasn't a super tall guy. So it, it's good to see them 
um, you know, kind of go after some guys that they uh, historically didn't really go after. Um, you know, so it, albeit it is a disappointment to lose out on the guys like Otis Reese and Nick Petit Frere going to Ohio State. That always stings. Jarrett Patterson going to Notre Dame. Um, despite all that, uh, you can definitely take away some positives from this last column. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think it's the end of the world. Like some people are saying or saying, you know, Harbaugh, Harbaugh's losing his edge or none of these assistant coaches know how to recruit at all. They don't deserve their paychecks. I think whatever you saw on the field this year, you know, definitely the coaches deserve their fair share of blame for that. But this recruiting class isn't terrible. I mean, it was still third in the Big Ten um, overall. I mean, that's still pretty good. It wasn't top five like the last couple of years nationally, but 21 for a year where you had far less scholarships. I mean, last couple of years, they had what, 30, 35 plus scholarships. That's that's a crazy amount. When, now, when you're bringing the whole team back next year, you're not going to have as many scholarships. Last year, you lost the entire team, so it made sense the 2017 class was going to be your biggest in a long time. So it's actually better knowing, you know, this is a smaller class, so you're actually going to have an experienced team next year. Now, you only had 20 scholarships or 22 or something like that, and you only brought in a handful of four-star players. That was kind of disappointing. I think what most fans are really upset about was the finish. You know, you missed out on Jarrett Patterson. You lost the heartbreaker with Tyler Friday to Ohio State. I mean, Michigan was like the, what, 90% favorite on crystal ball forever for Tyler Friday. Friday. In comes Ohio State last minute, nabs him out of um, the guarded state in New Jersey. That was a big loss. Um, and the Nicholas Petit Frere um, thing, like you said, was really kind of just the nail in the coffin. You were in on him forever. It was pr- pretty much like between Michigan, Florida, and I think it was like Tennessee or Auburn or another SEC school. And then Ohio State comes in out of nowhere, nabs him, the top offensive tackle in the country. I know I saw a bunch of people tweeting that Tim Drevno after that, telling him, you know, get his button gear and what happened with that. That is a disappointment. But I do like some of the guys in this class. Like you mentioned, Cameron McGrone. I think he's a beast linebacker. He is a five-star in rivals now. The way he played in that Army All-American Bowl is very promising. He, sh- he shows where they're going with linebacker. You know, the speed, the athletic guys, like a, um, a Khalid Hudson, like a Devin Bush. I think he's the next in line there, and I think he plays immediately this year. I think he jumps a guy like Noah Fur- Furbush and some other guys in the depth chart immediately. Another guy I really like was a diamond in the rough for a while, Aiden Hutchinson out of Dearborn Divine Child. Another guy who had a great – Army All-American Bowl kind of came up on the scene. I think he was in like lower 200s on the 24-7 um, composite. He's now up to nationally 112, six at his position, and became the number one player in the state in the process. Um, and then, yeah, you look in the secondary, they really loaded up with guys like Miles Sims, um, with Sammy Faustin, with the Green Brothers. I mean, just some really tall guys. Vincent Gray, they stole um, out of Rochester late from West, um, away from West Virginia. And all guys that are 6'2 or taller. So like you said, Von, they are going with the taller guys in the secondary. I think that's where you got to go now in college football. The jump ball is such a big thing. We saw with Penn State last couple exactly. years how big jump balls are. If you don't have guys that are 6 feet 2 or taller, you're not going to knock those down. How many times have we seen Michigan DBs get beat in those tragic jump balls late in games? I think that ends now. I love how they're targeting that. The one position, though, I'm very disappointed at and surprised it didn't attack more was the offensive line. With how bad your offensive line was this past year, the fact that you only brought in, you're only bringing in two guys, one that might move over to tight end with Ryan Hayes, most likely. That's just such, um, that's that's mind blowing to me. Jalen Mayfield looks like a beast out of, oh, is it all? Yeah. Grand Rapids, Catholic Central. But the fact that he's mainly your only offensive tackle and then you lost your top guard um, to Alabama earlier in the summer it's just very disappointing so bringing in one true offensive lineman this year with how bad your offensive line was last year i just don't get that they better pray they get who is it um calvin, calvin something the guy out of rice the great the great tackle out of rice 
Calvin Anderson. They better pray they get him or else I'm going to be very surprised and very disappointed. But um, overall, not the end of the world. Some things to work on. 2019 will be the uh, the big classic. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you kind of hit it too with the offensive line. And that was going to be one of those that I asked you upcoming. Uh, we kind of <laughs> – I kind of beat myself to it as well, but you did too, about which uh, position they really uh, improved at and what position they didn't really improve at. Obviously, cornerback was one that they did, taking five guys all over six foot two, like we've already said. Offensive line, that's the big disappointment. Like like we said, uh, losing out on Petit Frere to Ohio State, losing out on Jared Patterson. Um, you know, these are guys that you got to hit on, especially when uh, your offensive line did not produce well last season. And I've got a piece that at this point um, – is, is probably already out on Mason Brew by the time that people are listening to this. Um, but looking ahead to the 2019 class, I, I mentioned Nolan Rumler, the offensive guard that they have committed right now. He's from Ohio. And they need to hold on to him because they need as many offensive linemen as possible uh, in this 2019 class just because they may only be uh, you know, j- just getting one from this 2018 class. Jalen Mayfield, like we already said, Ryan Hayes, uh, the way that it, Harbaugh made it seem – uh, yesterday in his press conference, it seems like he really wants to move in a tight end. Um, and to take three tight ends in one class, that's kind of weird too. That doesn't make sense considering the depth you already have at that position. You already have like six decent tight ends on the roster. How many do you need? The offensive line is far more important. Why do you need so many tight ends? I, I don't I get it either. Um, you know, Sean McCune really broke out this past season. Zach Gentry is another guy that's going to contribute really heavily next season and then you get Nick Eubanks back from his injury I I think he was injured pretty early on there in the season last year against uh, Purdue I think it was Um, and then you still get Tyrone Wheatley Jr. Um, so these are four solid tight ends uh, that you already have on the team and then you're bringing in Mustafa Muhammad was your highest rated tight end Uh, Luke Schoonmaker um, the other one and then Ryan Hayes possibly the third Mm -hmm. one Um, you know kind of uh, a head scratcher, really. I I don't really know what Harbaugh's thinking there either. Uh, you you yeah. gotta just wonder what what they're thinking um, when they're taking these guys. I I really don't get it. Um, and then to take three running backs as well, uh, with Hassan Haskins uh, being the one. He's he's out of uh, Missouri, I believe. Uh, Christian Turner from Georgia, and then Michael Barrett. The athlete, he's from Georgia as well. They list him as an athlete, but Harbaugh said that he wants to play him at running back at some point and slot receiver. Um, so I can understand taking a flyer on Michael Barrett because he's kind of a versatile guy. He's a jack of all trades. But to take uh, potentially three running backs, that's kind of a head scratcher to me too, Colin. Right. Well, and then uh, Ben Van Summeren too. Isn't he? Isn't he looking to play fullback or something like that as well? Are they not sure where they're playing? Yeah, fullback. Yeah. yeah, they they list him at fullback. <laughs> yeah, so I don't get it. And they're all like three stars or below. So it's not like you're getting like elite guys. Like Georgia has like two five stars and a four star coming at running back. Okay, at that point, I can understand why you're taking so many guys if you're getting top talent. But if you're getting lower rated guys, I don't understand why you're piling up on them. Um, yeah, it's just a little. The class yeah. was just disappointed overall, especially with. You saw how Ohio State dominated again like they always do. And the way they closed out, um, mm-hmm. Penn State had probably their best class ever too. Um, so just seeing them jump you like that. Obviously, Nebraska came up um, with Scott Frost and had one of their best classes in recent years. Maryland had a decent class. And Michigan State had a decent class as well. So I think you're showing that if you don't win in the field this year, you're in big trouble. Like it's hard, it's hard you know, to uh, – mm-hmm. it's, time, it's time for them to have a big season this year. And they have the talent to do so. If Shea Patterson gets that waiver, I don't care how hard your schedule is. You better be up there competing for that Big Ten championship next year. Or you're going to see – you're going to keep seeing the recruiting rankings are going to show what you're showing on the field. 
recruits don't want to play for you know a mediocre team. Exactly. All right, I'm I'm gonna leave you with one more question on on this 2018 recruiting class, and we'll move on. Um, this might be a, a bold take or a hot take or whatever, but give me the one player from this class that is gonna have the best career at U of M. Oh my goodness! I wish you would have asked me this before, because now you're really putting me on the spot. <laughs> oh boy, who's gonna have the best career? You know, I want to say quarterback Joe Milton really bad, but Michigan is just so stacked at quarterback for the next few years. I don't, I don't see him playing for a while. So I'm gonna go with um, Miles Spider Sims, cornerback out of Georgia. I think he's really special. I think his athleticism combined with his size and uh, the need of the position the next couple of years. I think he's going to play early and often. I think you're going to see him have like a Jordan Lewis-esque career, but maybe even better because he's not going to get beat in those jump balls like Lewis did every once in a while. So if you're putting me on the spot right now, gun to my head, I'm saying Miles Sims has the best career of any of these guys. Yeah, you stole my guy. I was oh. going to say Miles Sims too. I've been really high on Miles Sims since he committed uh, last year. I think it was back in March or April um, that he – committed to U of M and stuck with uh, the commitment and, you know, just watching tape on him, he looks like he can be a really special player, yeah. whether it be a cornerback or safety. They're, they're going to move uh, some of these guys to safety. Um, yeah. it, it's just inevitable. I don't know if it's going to be Sims or the the green brothers or, you know, whoever it may be. Um, you know, the, some of these guys are going to move to safety and that's miles Sims. Then I think he's going to excel at it. Um, I, I think he can excel anywhere in the defensive backfield. I I, I just really like him as a player. Um, <laughs> to play devil's advocate, pick one other person. Pick one other person. Who else would you pick besides him if you had to pick another um, guy? Man, um, I, I will say uh, Cameron McGrone. Like like I said earlier, I really like him. Um, you know, coming in, filling that spot for McCray eventually on that weak side. Um, you know, he he was a highly rated guy. Um, like I said earlier, he's he's really quick, um, has really good instincts. He's just a player. He he is a really really good player. You pair him with uh, Devin Bush, Kalik Hudson, uh, you know Drew Singleton, Jordan Anthony, some of these other linebackers that they got last year. Um, you know that front seven is going to be really nasty at some point. I mean oh, it's yeah. already really nasty, but it, <laughs> once you get all these guys in, it, it's going to be insane. So it, it, a gun to head. If it's not Miles Sims, I, I think it's Cameron McGrone. So I'm going to go now, with that. Now, do you think Otis Reese would have uh, uh, made a made a difference in your decision if he would have stayed, or do you think you still would have liked McGrone and Sims over him? Um, I definitely would have still liked Sims over him. It 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 it's kind of a toss up because Otis Reese was being recruited at Viper. Um, you know who who knows how good he would have been at Viper. You got to be a really special athlete to excel at Viper. Um, that's why Jabril Peppers did it so well. That's why Kalik Hudson is doing it even better because yeah. he is just an insane athlete. Um, so I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think I would have still said Miles Sims one. I may have still said Cameron McGrone at number two, honestly. Um, you know, I really like both those guys. Uh, Otis Reese would have been number three for sure. Yeah. Uh, if he would have stayed committed, but I agree. That's just, you, okay, cool. So, but yeah, moving on. Um, now, last little tidbit here. Um, now, let's talk some Michigan hoops. Um, kind of a little disappointing start to the week. They uh, traveled to Northwestern on Tuesday, uh, took the L 61-52, uh, just did not really have a good offensive game. They only scored 20 points in the second half. And uh, if my quick math is correct, that's only one point on average every minute. That's terrible. That is just – that's just horrible. Right. Um 
you know, it, it was just a, a struggle. Of course, Wagner had a good game. He had 20 points, uh, nine boards. Uh, Abdur Rockman played uh, semi well, but after that, it's it's just a bunch of meh. You know, Simpson didn't contribute all that much, even though he played pretty much the entire game. Charles Matthews had only five points. Livers, I know he got injured, but he uh, did not contribute before his injury. Um, you know, so it, it just a big disappointment uh, heading to Northwestern, a, a place that they've, you know, historically over the last decade not really played so well. I have no idea why Northwestern's not a good team at all. Um, last year was a bit of a different circumstance. That was like their dream team. Uh, make it into the NCAA turn for the yeah. first time ever. I can understand that loss. This one, I I, I just don't get it. I uh, it, it blows my mind that, you know, on a team that they – strive to be so successful on defense they gave up 61 to northwestern and you know i, I obviously you got to hit your shots too um but that should have been enough honestly to to uh, uh keep themselves in the game but colin you know do you have any concerns going into this game um on sunday against wisconsin I definitely do, and that's not. And obviously, Wisconsin's not having a great year. But the fact that we've been playing so poorly on offense lately, and especially on the road, we've just been dreadful lately. So I mean, and Wisconsin's always a tough place to play. You know, the fans in Madison always get up for those games. So I wouldn't be surprised if we took another loss. I mean, that is a game you should win. But I feel like since the Michigan State game, there's just been something missing on offense. Like they don't have the normal confidence, the normal swagger, the normal ball movement. You know, there's something there's something just missing there. The only good game they played since that epic win in East Lansing a few weeks back was, was the Purdue game. And, of course, they lost because, you know, their offense was great, but Purdue's is even better. So that was their best offensive game lately. And then they've had games against, like, Minnesota um, at home, Maryland at home, where they just had absolute dreadful first halves and then had to come from way behind the second half just to barely pull it out. And it was still two horrible, ugly wins, but at least you won. And you go to, North, you go to Nebraska, you get absolutely spanked. Pretty much the same offensive performance at Northwestern, and you lose a bad one. Um, and by the way, Northwestern's not even playing at their home stadium this year, which is under renovation. So they're playing at the home stadium of like the Chicago's WNBA team this year. <laughs> so it's not like there's a huge home court advantage there. So there's no excuse for that one in the first place. So I don't get that. But even the, the win against Northwestern, I was there last week at home again in Ann Arbor. That was still, you know, they were the score was like 21-19 at half. I mean, where is this offense? What, what's happened to it? Wagner is the only guy that can really get his own shot anymore. Charles Matthews can't finish anything around the bucket. I swear every time he misses a wide-open layup, he can't make any free throws. Simpson's lost his three-point shot completely. He can't get any free throws. Um, Poole and Livers have been non-factors in recent games, and then you're just getting nothing off your bench in general. Um, I don't know what's happened to Eli um, Brooks. I don't know what's happened. Um, obviously, um, who's the guy from Ohio they got this year? He's not, he hasn't been living up to, to standards or promises or whatever. So just this offense in general, the defense I think has been fine. They're just not making any shots, and Beeline has really got to get them figured out, or else you're going to have a bad finish to the year, and it's going to leave a bad taste in people's yeah, mouths. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's going to leave a huge uh, – bad taste in people's mouths especially if they can't get over the hump of you know i i know that ohio state's had a really good season this year they just knocked off purdue um but there was no excuse for them to lose that game in uh in columbus uh uh, probably a couple months ago at this point maybe a month or month and a half but that was just a bad loss they had a huge huge lead and they blow it in the second half i think they were up by 20 points at some point they end up losing by almost double digits so yep it's an inexcusable loss um you know, it, it hasn't been looking good 
lately, like you've been saying, they've they've had these real close wins. They had the close win against Maryland. They had the close win last weekend against Minnesota. So I, they were bound to lose eventually. Um, Northwestern just so happened to be on the road. Uh, I guess it's better to you know lose a game that you expect to lose rather than lose a game that you expect to win. And, and they have had some uh, unexpected wins too. You know, UCLA earlier this season. I'll draw that up as an unexpected win. Michigan State was definitely an unexpected win. So these wins, as of right now, I would say yeah. are keeping them in the uh, tournament conversation. I think right now they're listed around a seven seed or an eight seed, something like that. So I don't really see them dropping out of the tournament whatsoever, but their seeding uh, has definitely been falling over the past week or so, and you definitely don't want to see that happen. But they, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's uh, you know necessarily – a must win in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, but you definitely want to see them at least compete a little more than they did in that second half against Northwestern. Cause it, it was just, hmm. it was a brutal second half. I'm yeah. probably the worst second half that they played all yeah. season, uh, quite honestly, but you know, right. You, you and I'll, and I'll, I'll take a step further. I will, I will say yeah. that's a must win. I, you, you would say, I will, for them I will to, say that's a must win in Wisconsin. They're, I mean, Wisconsin's not even an NIT team this year. They are dreadful. You have to win that if you want any hopes of, like, you know, finishing the season on a high note. And I'm hoping the Northwestern game was a wake-up call because you think before, um, right around the Michigan State, you know, Purdue stretch after they won East Lansing, played Purdue down to the wire earlier in the week at the Chrysler Center. They were really hitting their stride, and they were looking like one of the top teams in the Big Ten. Since the Michigan State team, they're looking – since that Michigan State game, they're looking like a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team right now offensively. They really got to get it together because they are too talented to look like this. But like I said, since the Michigan State and Purdue games, um, since those games, just offensively, they just don't have the rhythm there. They're forced into too many shots. They can't make any wide-open shots. The free throws are just totally in their head. They have no confidence when they go to the free throw line whatsoever, and that's obvious. And then, um, and then, and then you know, they just don't get off to good starts and late in games. They're scrambling just to pull out, you know, an ugly win against a bad team. That can't mm-hmm. be the case anymore. If you want to make a run in the tournament, you know, possibly win another Big Ten tournament, which doesn't look likely at this point, or make another Sweet 16 run or something this year, you really got to get it together. But I have faith in Beeline. He oh, it late in late in years, Michigan's always hitting its stride, you know, in March, late in February. So I have faith he's going to do it again this time. But this is a challenge because this is one of his younger teams, and he doesn't really have that go-to score or that top point guard like he usually does in years to kind of lean on. So Simpson really has to step up his game, I think, more than anybody and rally this team. So yeah. we'll see down the stretch. I have confidence, but it's not as high as it was a month ago. I agree. I'm right there with you. My, my confidence is definitely not as high as it was a month ago when they were knocking off Michigan State. They were knocking on the door against Purdue at home, and then they even knocked on the door against Purdue on the road. Uh, they looked really good in that game, yeah. but they just kind of uh, faltered a little bit down the stretch. Uh, Minnesota took them to overtime, you know, and even the first game against Northwestern wasn't uh, – um, you know, that fantastic of a game for the Wolverines. So we'll definitely see. Right. Well, think the Maryland game. Think the Maryland game. Rockman had hit those two free throws with like one second yeah, left. Exactly. Yeah, and I mentioned that earlier too, how that was a super close super close win that uh, they probably shouldn't have won. Um, you know, and just going back to that Nebraska game as well, that was just an overall uh, bad defensive performance. Um, so it, it really all stems from that Maryland game, like, like we had mentioned, how – they barely won. Uh, that was a game that they probably should have lost, and then the next game they ended up losing. So I don't know. We'll see. I expect them to win Sunday, but I yeah. expected them to win on Tuesday, and they did not. So I guess we'll just find out. But um, I think that's all the time we got for you today. Hopefully we will come back with you soon with another episode of Victor's Valiant. For Colin Logston, my name is Vaughn Lozon, and we will talk at you guys next time. Go Blue.